Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Hour number two. It's the big show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, The Fan, coming to you live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Later on this hour, your chance to win day number 11 of our 12 days of Christmas, courtesy of our friends at Wild Rose Brewery. That World Cup final yesterday got me all emotional. What an incredible sporting event. What's the last sporting event that got you emotional? 960-960, name and location. We'll pick the best text. You'll win day number 11 of our 12 days of Christmas, courtesy of our friends at Wild Rose Brewery. But right now, joining us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, our man, Charles Davis, NFL analyst for CBS Sports. Charles, good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. Good, good, good morning to you guys. Hope everything's great. I have to chime in right away. I apologize. But I've just got. I was going to ask you. That was my first question. Got, what is the sporting I've, event that got, got you so it. emotional? Mark Messier guaranteeing victory game six. Ooh. Rangers closing out Canucks game seven. Let's go Rangers. I grew up now, a Rangers fan and had, and had yeah. here 1940 my whole life. It wasn't fun. The Islanders run <laughs> not good. Being able to go to the Garden and chant, De- chant Pop Van Sucks was just not enough. <laughs> Needed a cup. Needed one badly. Finally, mess comes to town, gets it done for us. And, uh, yeah, now we're in another drought, but at least we've been to the, the, the cup finals a couple times, Eastern Conference finals. At least we've been a lot more consistent. Right. Couldn't get one with the king the king between the pipes. He was unbelievable. What a what a career that was. But still, I'm a blue shirt guy all the way. And, you know, Don Grapes Cherry still sneering at us when we signed Anders Hedberg and, and Ulf Nielsen from back in the day. And uh yeah, can you tell? A little bit of emotion in there, no doubt. Yeah. Um that game you're alluding to, game six of the, uh, was it the Wales Conference or Eastern Conference at the time, where they beat the Devils? Yeah, I can't remember yet because we, we've been through all the names. It's kind of funny if you go through all the sports leagues and go through the different yeah. names they had. The NFL had some right. crazy names, too. We had the Capitals, Century, Coastal Division at one point, blah, 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 you know. Yeah. How much better with East, West, North, South, but that's just me. Right. And uh, Messier with the hat trick uh, to beat the Devils. Yeah. And then ultimately winning in Game 7, Stefan Mateau and then uh, beating the Vancouver Canucks in that epic 1994 Stanley Cup final uh, in seven games. Charles, I don't even know where to start with the craziness yesterday in the National Football <laughs> League. Um, I, I want Okay, why don't we start with that Patriots debacle? Because there was also that Vikings-Colts game, which was unbelievable. But here's my theory. I want to get your take on it. I think Jacoby Myers didn't know the score of the game. That's why he lateraled the ball. Both Ramondre Stevenson and Jacoby Myers had no idea that the game was tied. I think that's essentially what happened yesterday because what they did was completely inexcusable in a tie game. I have no counter to that. <laughs> my, 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 I would, I would say that you probably are correct. And if they did know the score of the game and did that, that might actually make it even worse. You know, at least go with, I I blanked out. I thought we were down, you know, just anything. But if you're like, oh, yeah, no, I knew we were tied and we had a chance for overtime. But I said, you know, not feeling overtime. Let's go for it. 
I felt like Jacoby Myers' throw, it's the one that's going to stand out more, but it's almost like he was trying to make his teammate right because his teammate screwed it up from the beginning with Stevenson pitching it. And it's almost like he was trying to help out a teammate and obviously absolute disaster. And truthfully, the play Chandler Jones made, that is going to help him because, remember, he was one of the big acquisitions for the Raiders this Mm -hmm. year, and that hasn't gone as well as anyone would have thought and anticipated. That was a huge play for him to get some better visibility for how this season has gone. But all that being said, I think you're spot on. I think they had no idea. And if they did, I wouldn't tell anyone because I think that makes it worse, actually. I I actually felt bad for Mac Jones. Uh, did he get stiff-armed into the crust of the earth yesterday, uh, Charles? <laughs> yeah, he got that. that in, in NBA, that'd be getting postered, you know, posterized, <laughs> right, under someone dunking on you like that. But to his defense on it, who would have thought you'd be standing there in the middle of the field on that play and all of a yeah. sudden there's a lateral coming in your direction from 30 yards away? <laughs> right. Like, you know, you know how they, they say, like, I played high school basketball for my father. He was a basketball coach through and through, you know, small college, Division three, high school, et cetera. He was extremely well prepared. And one of the things he always talked about and, and always coached with his teams, which you would call situational ball now, right? But back then we didn't put terms on it. Be prepared for every eventuality and go through all situations. What could happen here? What could happen there? Blah, 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 blah. That was his goal as a coach. And they think he did a pretty decent job with it. We weren't we weren't extremely talented, so he wasn't working with a whole lot. But all that being said, be prepared for every eventuality. Charles, what all are you... that put on the table? Who could be prepared for that? <laughs> right. <laughs> Straight panic. It's what it looked like. Uh, wanted to ask I you. Been, my, my, I, I wish we could have gotten a full-on one of those NASA <laughs> from the satellite shots right into his eyes as he realized he's throwing it to me. <laughs> and not because he's afraid, but just the whole idea, just being incredulous. Like, what are we? Oh, why am I on the ground right now? Oh, okay. That was Chandler Jones. Yeah. Hmm. Come on. I mean, I got to give Mac a break on that one. <laughs> Wrap him up, Mac. Come on. Um, <laughs> uh, Troy's chest in there. Troy's chest in yeah. there and go for a leg. And get a, a, you know, helmet on a helmet. Out. Let's go. Come on. Yeah, not Come that on, hard. Man. Listen, next year the quarterbacks <laughs> open up with Oklahoma drill. We're going to get the tackle in. We're going to work on this stuff because we saw what happened in a situation where a lateral could come from 30 yards, and we better be prepared for it to happen again. Now, I – I felt for Mac on that one. He he had no shot, and just the whole idea that I wish we could have heard his thoughts. Like, could we get yeah. that thought bubble? Why is this ball coming to me, Jacoby? What? <laughs> I mean, and I'm sure there are a few expletives in there too. Yeah, probably not. Not totally radio friendly. I uh, wanted to ask you about no. uh, the uh, the ending of that Cowboys and Jaguars game, as the Cowboys have had a couple of kind of dicey games in their last two, and this one ends up going the, the wrong way. And maybe a thought on Trevor Lawrence and the Jags, who are just one game behind the Titans for that division as well. Yeah, and, and the crazy part is I'm coming through the airport last, and I'm changing planes in the city of Atlanta. Is, uh <laughs> former uh, head of the Olympic Committee, Juan Samranch, just said when he announced Atlanta mm. got the bid for the games – being awarded to the city of Atlanta. 
And Tony Baselli, Hall of Famer for the Jacksonville Jaguars, is coming in the opposite direction. He had just called the game on radio for the Jags, and he was headed somewhere. And I just looked at him, and he just looked at me, and I said, so let me get this straight. You guys actually control your destiny in the AFC South now? And he just kind of looked at me like, uh, yeah. That's where we are. The Colts fired their coach, Frank Reich, in part because Tennessee had swept them, and that looked like it was dead. That, that division was dead. Because at that point, Jacksonville had gone into free fall and didn't look like they were a factor at all. So it was like Colts tightened. And once it tightened, swept them. It was like, eh, we're done here. Remember, they benched Matt Ryan. They fired Frank Reich. They hired Jeff Saturday. Let's check the grand experiment. Here we go. Who knew at that point that at the end of the thing, Jacksonville would be the team that we'd be talking about pressing Tennessee and just got done jumping on them. So this is where we are right now. And then the end of the Cowboys game, obviously, I mean, pick six, finish that thing off, a shootout in Jacksonville. Dallas's defense, that vaunted defense, can't find the plays to make to, to help put them away. I'm very happy for Doug Peterson, Jacksonville, because of who they are and what that organization went through last year when it was an utter disaster and there's no other way to put it. And everyone in that place and that organization hated waking up and going to work. And I say that with full confidence because I've talked with enough people in Jacksonville that I know and trust. Before their feet hit the ground in the morning, they hated their day. Think about that. Is that any way to live? (laughs) That's how they yeah. nowadays flip that around. <laughs> now they're coming to work with purpose, with a sense that, you know, every day, hey, I may mess up, things may go wrong, but that doesn't mean, you know, I'm the worst thing that's ever walked the face of the earth and I'm not living living cowering in fear. That's where this organization is. And, yes, amazing when you coach a talent like Trevor Lawrence the way he needs to be coached, the results you get back. I think we're going to look back, for guys, and we're going to look back at Trevor Lawrence's rookie year that was really up and down and realize where that came from much more so than Trevor Lawrence, than what was put around him, how he was coached, how the organization was run. Doug Peterson runs it like a professional, coaches his kid like a professional, and boy, they reaping the benefits. By the way, if you want to redraft that draft, he's still going number one, isn't he? Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Charles Davis, NFL analyst, CBS Sports on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Um, we talked about this before he jumped on, Charles. That just mind-blowing lead uh, that the Colts had and coughed it up, biggest comeback in NFL history by Kirk Cousins yeah. and the Minnesota Vikings. Matt Ryan now on the wrong end of the biggest comeback in Super Bowl history oh. and now the biggest comeback in NFL history. I felt for Matt Ryan after that game on Saturday, uh, Charles. I really did. Did you? Yeah, I did. And, and have, you, have you guys ever had the pleasure of meeting Matt? No, unfortunately, no. I'll just put it to you this way. You know how you have friends that tell you, oh, you got to meet this guy. This guy's great. Oh, you got to meet this woman. She's phenomenal, right? You always have those. And half the time you're like, uh, are you sure? <laughs> In this case. I am co-signing, endorsing the whole – Matt Ryan is one of the best people you will ever meet. He's a tremendous player. He's a former MVP. I can run down his resume, but no one needs it. The idea that he's on the wrong side of two of these as the starting quarterback, it's just mind-boggling to me. 
mind-boggling because he is an ace competitor. Like Matt Ryan is a flat-out killer when he gets an opportunity. I don't know if you remember this. There was a time when he was in Atlanta. And, you know, the NFC South has always been a hotly contested division. It's very volatile, right? Every year you never know if the worst team is going to be the best team the next year. And they really mm-hmm. get at it. And I think proximity of cities contributes to it, the whole deal. And I remember there was one game where at the end of the ball game against Carolina, who was pretty good at the time as well, Atlanta had won the game. And the guys were barking at Matt. And Matt, uncharacteristically for the, for the public, screams at the Carolina guys, yeah, take that bleepity bleep whooping home with you and get the bleep off my field. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember we were all around the league like, was that Matt Ryan? <laughs> Did he just do that? <laughs> and I actually had a game of his like the next week and walked in and just looked at him. And he said, yeah, I knew you would come in to come at me like that. He said, I don't know. But, you know, it, it gets competitive. <laughs> it was hilarious. So I cannot believe that happened. I just wanted to go and hug him. I really did want to put my arms around him because you know it's not all him, but as the starting quarterback and because of what happened in the Super Bowl, it's irresistible. He's going to wear that the rest of his career. He's going to go in the Hall of Fame one day, and I do firmly believe he's a Hall of Fame-level quarterback, not first ballot. I'm not sitting there saying, hey, he goes in as soon as he retires. But I think Mm -hmm. the accumulation of numbers, the wins, the going to a Super Bowl, all those things, I think when it's all said and done, it will be favorable for him. And he will get in at some point. But that's when he goes in, believe me, that's going to be one of the lines that, that, that's written in, in everyone's story about him going in. Charles, I wanted to ask you about Brock Purdy. Uh, we haven't had a chance to ask you about him after he gets uh, the other the, yeah. uh, his second win with the 49ers. Obviously, we talked about it the last pick in that draft, 262nd overall. As you watch him in these two games, how many general managers, how many teams do you think are, are regretting maybe not going and, and calling Brock Purdy's name with one of the first 261 picks in that draft? I think the regret part is, is an interesting word because I don't believe that people are sitting there. I think, it, you know, if he goes on and has a, you know, a Tom Brady-esque career, you know, he's not going to have a Brady career. No, who, who, who can? That's just ridiculous, right? But being Mr. Irrelevant, being a solid starter or better, in this league, you know, if all of a sudden he has that kind of success, sure, everyone's going to have regret. Why didn't I jump on Brock Purdy? I had him on my list. We just decided to go in a different direction. We filled another need. It, it just kind of happens sometimes in a draft. But the truth of the matter is everyone who was involved in that draft last year, if we, all, if we were all shot up with sodium pentothal, which is true serum, and said, okay, Brock Purdy, the ranking is still the same. Like, the evaluation is still the same. There was, I don't think you could find five people that evaluated Brock Purdy and, and, and jumped on a table in a room in, in, the NFL, in, the, in an NFL uh, draft room screaming, we're missing out on Brock Purdy. <laughs> okay, that's not, that wasn't happening. People, where he went in the draft going Mr. Irrelevant, I think most people are kind of like within a round or so. Like, yeah, that makes sense. And I think there were plenty of teams that were like, you know, if we were going to jump on another quarterback, it would have been him. But when our turn came up, we had another need we really needed to fill, and we decided to take that guy. Much more so than just saying Brock Purdy's not this, this, and this. He just was Brock Purdy, a respected operator in college, 
big-time numbers, helped a program that's not very good become very good for a short short period of time. You know, all the things you're looking for, the intangibles go into it. But height, weight, speed, arm strength, all that, not exactly going to blow you away. But the intangibles are there. The calmness is there. And, again, you don't know everything there is to know about underneath the hood of a guy. And Brock Purdy's a great example of that. So, yeah, will there be regret? Sure, because the guy's winning. But there are plenty of saying, okay, let's let this play out a little bit longer before I go and jump off a cliff, okay? <laughs> because that's not really where this was. He just was never evaluated. And I'm telling you, if you guys can find those people who are going to tell you, no, 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 I had Brock Purdy in the second round, ask for their notes. And make sure those notes <laughs> were written back then. They're not being rewritten <laughs> right. now and passed off like these are the Lincoln papers and I just discovered them. No, it's not how it works. Yeah, I, I can't remember which fantasy football analyst got caught for doing that, uh, doing his rankings and going back and changing them. That's neither here, they're here nor there, Charles. But uh, I wanted yeah, to ask but, you. But, but, but that's but that's but in a situation like this, it's very yeah. easy for someone to want to do because that's going to get you attention. And that's what we're all looking for. We want to be the person right. that said, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. I said yeah. he was the best. Yeah. And I want you to fight. If you guys find those people, please let me know. Because okay. there aren't, if there are any out there, I'd like to meet them and ask them exactly what they saw that would have had him second round, third round, as opposed to where he went. And, I, and truthfully, most people probably would have said from fifth round on, that's when Brock Purdy's name started to come up in rooms. Charles, is there a more fun story through 15 weeks in the NFL season than the Detroit Lions? I think it's hard to beat, and and I really think it started with Dan Campbell's press conference when he was introduced as the head coach because he got everyone's attention. Mm-hmm. And whether you thought it was a good press conference, whether you thought he was a buffoon up there, whether you you know whatever people thought, because you guys heard it all, I'm quite sure that when he did the presser and. I'm also guessing that it was irresistible to not play it a few times, right? Like, how could you not? I had it on a loop, all right? You know, biting kneecaps and, you know, doing all this stuff. It's almost like he was, you know, the Terminator coming back and he was just going to, you know, just take people out. And he looks like the dude from the Big Lebowski, all right? He looks like dude. So when you put it all together, (laughs) it was irresistible. You couldn't help yourself. You're like, I'm watching this. I got to see how this plays out. Then they were terrible, right? They were bad. They were the same old Lions, the whole deal. Then they kind of looked a little bit better down the stretch, cool, but then hard knocks kicked in. And tell mm. tell me hard knocks, that wasn't the best hard knocks in the last X number of years, right? They had great storylines. The coaching staff was terrific. Some of the players were really good. But let's face it, the dude was the man, right? He's the guy, right? He's the one we lock in on. And as I had many people tell me, I root for team such and such. I root for in such and such city. But, boy, am I hoping the Lions are good this year because I really got, got into hard knocks. I really like Dan Campbell, blah, blah, blah. Then they get off to one and six start. You're like, ah, oh, there goes that momentum. But now it's all back. And it's all back in a big way. And, by the way, he never changed really who he is. Like, we didn't see Dan Campbell with a seat change and all of a sudden he wasn't cutting his hair and wearing suits every day. He stayed Dan Campbell. And the team stayed the course. And now – they're reaping the benefits, and I think the whole country, I think you know, the whole, the whole people, everyone who likes NFL football, is locked in on this Detroit Lions thing. How far can this go, and can they somehow sneak into the playoffs with a roster that still needs work? 
Uh, Charles, before I let you go, I wanted to ask you about this because um, I was thinking about this yesterday watching that game against the Jets. Um, Jared Goff, I know he was such a high pick in the draft. I know the yeah. guy's been to a Super Bowl, and the knock on him when he's with the Rams is, oh, no, he's just a system quarterback under Sean McVay. But do the Lions have a true franchise quarterback with Jared Goff? I know he was a throw-in so they could take his salary so the Rams could get Matthew Stafford and worked out for Los Angeles. Flags fly forever. The banner will be there forever in the rings. Right. But I think Jared Goff uh, maybe gets a bit of a bad rap, and he's easily a top what, Charles? 15 to 12 quarterback in this yeah, league. Yeah. And yeah, maybe, good yeah. And maybe the lions have a franchise guy that maybe they thought they didn't have and they'd have to draft one. Well, let's go back to last year's draft when the lions had what three in the first round. Yeah. And they ended up using some of that to go up and get Jamison Williams at 12. And how many times did we in mock draft world, including myself say that third pick, for the Lions in the first round would be used for a quarterback. Mm-hmm. I think in most of my mock drafts, if not all of them, I use that third pick in the first round for the Lions to take a QB. And it, it at the very least, pressure Jared Goff and see what you've got. They did not do that, which was a clear sign to me looking back now that Brad Holmes, the GM, and, and, and of course Dan Campbell and the rest of the Lions organization led by Sheila Hamp, um, who owns the team, who's a Ford, of course, they thought they had something more with Jared Goff. Their idea was, let's build this team up around him and give him the best opportunity. And even if it doesn't work out then, at least we've built the team up around it. And then we can go get a quarterback and we might be more attractive that way. But I think they believed in him more than the rest of us did in the outside world. And when you look at how they've constructed offense, they didn't get to 30 points yesterday, which is almost a surprise. They've done it seven times. They had had mm-hmm. five straight games of 25 points or more scored. And for the Lions, that had not happened since, wait for it, 1954. Wow. And I'm looking at Lions in preparation and watching their offense and thinking, I'm preparing like I'm preparing for Kansas City. Like I expect them to score points because of what they put around Jared Goff with the receivers. Um, the running game is strong and a big, strong physical offensive line. We just don't think of the Lions that way. So, yeah, I don't think he gets as as much respect as he should. But the one thing he does not have in his game, which is where the game has gone with quarterbacks, is that good mobility, being able to get out of issues and make something happen by being able to move and maneuver. We saw him move a couple times yesterday, and the ball went right to the feet of the the receiver. And those weren't on purpose. His accuracy is just going to plummet when you have him on the move. But if you protect him and let him hit his back foot and make his throw, he's pretty darn good. Top 15, I think, is a really legitimate number for him. And I like him a lot. But he's just not where the game is moved to. But it doesn't mean there's not a place for him in this game. And the Lions are definitely reaping those benefits. Charles Davis, NFL analyst for CBS Sports. Charles, always a pleasure that you take time out of your week to jump on. All the best during the holidays. Thanks for this, pal. Hey, thanks you. Thank you guys so much. All the best to you both. You take care, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Sounds good. Uh, there's Charles Davis on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar. Come in and enjoy hockey and football game day specials at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Pickup and delivery also available at Atlas Pizza, 403 248 
44. Uh, Maddie, we got a busy uh, 7.30 segment to yeah. go here. Heaps. Um, we got we got to give away uh, day number 11 of our 12 Days of Christmas, courtesy of our good friends at Wild Rose Brewery. Um, I got a little emotional yesterday. Like, I wasn't wailing. Like, I just got a little emotional watching that World Cup final, just thinking of my dad, how cool it would have been if I watched that match with my dad yesterday. Uh, what's the sporting event that got you emotional? 960, 960, name and location. The best text is going to win day number 11 of our 12 days of Christmas, courtesy of our friends at Wild Rose Brewery. We'll also touch on the Flames' big 5-2 win last night over the Sharks in San Jose. And, Maddie, I'm going to give you a pro tip. Pro tip. Uh, and if you're going to a Christmas party, what mix you should be using. Hmm. Gonna get ourselves yeah. a little bit of learning in here. Let's go. Yeah. According to science. Mm. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. I don't really trust you when you say according to science, but Okay. I'm willing to listen. All right. We'll do all that next. It's the big show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet nine sixty, the fan. In the afterglow of a Flames five two win last night. Do the in voice. San Jose. It's the big- do the voice. In the afterglow, yes, sir. That's my Jerry Howarth. I always used to say that post-game. In the afterglow of a Blue Jays win, yes, sir. (laughs) Ha ha, yes, sir. (laughs) Everyone has a Jerry Howarth uh, impression. Some are better than others. Mine is C-, minus, much like my high school transcript, C-. minus. nice. Um... Busy, busy show still to come. Our man, Peter Labardius, the Flames color analyst for Sportsnet 960, the fan at the top of the hour. Don't forget, we're coming to you live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. I'm in the Ontario Bureau this week Mm. of the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems studio. Going across the country with this thing. Yeah. Right on. Um, Does it sound like I'm across the country or no? No. No. No, no, no. No, it's good. It's good. It's clean. Clear. Yep. Nice. I, I I do miss your handsome face, though. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. I do miss your multicolored chocolate-covered almonds. Yeah. Your Oikos yogurt. Mm-hmm. Your apple you slam on the table that I'm not sure you washed because it still has a sticker on it. Oh, uh, no. I, I usually don't wash them, but sometimes I do. This one's not washed. This one looks like it needs a wash today. Okay. Uh, that uh, Now uh, the mystery's been solved for me because usually I... Uh, I would wash every piece of fruit thoroughly, but that's just me. But that's just you. That's that's how you roll, which is fine. Yeah, vile. And uh, we're we're on this week, and then we'll take a little bit of a break uh, for the holidays, for Christmas. But we got a ton to get to. Flames with a five-two win last night in San Jose uh, against the Sharks. I asked you earlier if that was the most satisfying win of the Flame season. You said no, but I've kind of changed my tune. It's the more it's the most checklisty win of the Flame season. Last night, right? Huberto looked good. Check. Markstrom finally got a win and got some run support. Check. Milan Lucic scored for the first time in 62 games. Check. And they actually won a game where they didn't have to sweat it out in a one-goal victory. Check. Your two most lethal shooters scored, I would argue. Check. Check and Lindholm and Toffoli. Kadri was great last night all over the ice. Check. Now, the only two places that I would say you did not get a check is you left healthy with two defensemen going out of the game. And then the other one would be the PK, where they did allow a couple of tallies. But really, I'm nitpicking here. Mm -hmm. But those would be the only things that I would say are are kind of the the knock on yesterday's game. Apart from that, we were able to go in there and get a lot of things done that you, you needed 
to do. All all the forwards were really solid. Markstrom got that win that he hadn't had in over a month. That's a humongous check for this team. But yeah, the just this the two little little minor knocks, and one of them isn't really a knock. It's just a, a, a unfortunate observation, really. Yeah, um, very good win uh, last night for the Calgary Flames. Uh, you talk about the injuries um, in the third period. Zadorov took a shot off the wrist, uh, it looked like, uh, immediately went to the dressing room, uh, which is always bad news. Uh, Gilbert played last night. Flames went with seven blue liners. Uh, he got into a fight with uh, Gadjevich, and it was a good tilt, uh, really held his own, but then took a couple right on the bugle at the end of that fight. He didn't come back as well. So uh, Flames practicing today, as you talked about in the Rose Report. We'll see if any of those guys uh, are on the ice today. Uh, Tanev's on the trip, which I'm assuming is very good news here. And, uh, again, that, that comment that Daryl Sutter said is really sticking with me is uh, we want to be in a playoff spot uh, come Christmas time. So when the, when the Christmas break happens, Flames have three games left this week mm-hmm. before they take a little bit of a break for the holidays. Uh, as of right now, they're in a playoff spot, which is great. Uh, and this is the part of the schedule, especially against the weaker teams here. They're playing the terrible Ducks this week. They play the very mediocre Sharks uh, tomorrow night in San Jose, although James Reimer will be in net, so I'm sure they'll get a little better goaltending than last night in San Jose, which was absolutely atrocious. And then they'll play the Kings on Thursday night. The Flames have a chance to really make some hay here after uh, the Friday night game, which arguably to me was the worst effort of the season. Yeah, and I thought that for a while they looked good, but they just didn't really show the resolve, and the bottom fell out. And after that, we just weren't sure what was going to happen next. Like, it was a fifth straight loss, but it felt like it was so much more than that, just with the way things deteriorated. Like, this was a team that once again put up 42 shots, and all of a sudden you're down by an insurmountable deficit and and can't come back from it. So that was a hard one. That was a really difficult third period to watch where they felt listless throughout the entire thing. I don't know. It was not good. It's ideal that now they've gotten out on this road trip and they've gotten back of the wind column and done a lot of things to feel good about. But right. Yeah, it was, you know, your second five game losing streak of this already young season. Like it's, it's been, really up and down so far with this group it's good to see them win on the road where they haven't been doing a ton of that already this season but yeah I I don't I don't know it's I have a hard time like feeling really good about this team but I also have a hard time feeling really bad about this team yeah I think I think adversity is a good thing sure in a season because you've always you've mentioned this a lot that uh the flames are just ridiculously healthy last season it was an anomaly how healthy the team was and they don't have Tanev in that series against the Oilers, and that and Markstrom's just terrible play was probably the difference in why they got knocked out by the Oilers in that round two series. But some adversity is good, and that ultimately might be a blessing in disguise here, Matty. I'm trying to be positive Pete on a Monday morning here in December. Yeah, I think it certainly could be. Like, don't get me wrong. When I say it's 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 a sense of relief, it's not like, oh, good, they didn't drop it now, let's just hope that they can cobble something together and beat them on Tuesday like like they're the Coyotes or something like that. It, this is a, a, a victory that you can really build off and take some things that you feel good about. The power play, you know, gets back on the board after they were unable in, in that St. Louis game, and that maybe would have really helped the team 
um, when you look at how that that result ended up going the opposite way for the group. But I do think this is a game that you can build off of and move forward mm-hmm. with. Now, once again, you've already been taxing four defensemen a lot, and you, I, I do worry about this Zadorov thing, but at the same time, you just got to roll with the punches, and, and that's what they are right now. Um, more on the flame straight ahead. Our man Lou's going to join us. Talk about that victory last night. Look ahead to the San Jose Sharks again, the back end of the doubleheader in the Shark Tank, and uh, we'll talk about his Minnesota Vikings uh, staging the biggest comeback in NFL history. Uh, but we've been taking your text messages all morning. There's some great ones on here. Nine sixty, nine sixty, name and location. I talked about it to kick off the show. That World Cup final yesterday was an absolute phenomenal sporting event uh maybe not the greatest match the first 70 minutes because the french were asleep and then all of a sudden turned into incredible theater on the world's biggest stage and messi cementing himself as the greatest soccer player maybe of all time with his world cup victory uh, i got a little emotional at the end not that, not that i cried or bawled my eyes out i just thought of you know my dad who's no longer with us how awesome that would have been watching the match with him because it was such an incredible match um what's the last sporting event that got you emotional 960 960 name and location we got some great ones on here but we also got a text here i want to share with you before we get to those maddie uh maddie i work in the produce yeah. section at walmart always wash your fruit i'm not joking you don't want to know Sure. I don't know. I'm still here, aren't I? <laughs> yeah, but for how much longer? That next Cosmic Crisp could do it. Yeah. <laughs> I like that you know my Can apple. Say, That's my guy well, right there. Only eat That's my guy. Crisps now. Yeah. Can I say there's one thing I've learned about the both of you, Maddie Rose and producer Patrick Dumont? You guys really know your types of apples. <laughs> Yo, we don't goof around. During I, the summer, we did, what, a full show on apples? George, I see. Yeah, I, yeah. I think we legitimately did a full show on apples. Well, that must have been electric radio. Yeah, it was, if you're going to be a bit of a about it. Okay. <laughs> it was great radio. A lot of text interaction, as a matter of yeah. fact. Yeah. Like an hour on apples? Yeah, it was. It was maybe the first segment of the show. It was on apples. It was how the Cosmic Crisp <laughs> apple is most dominant compared to anything else. It's not really yeah. fair. It's cre- it was created There's nothing in the else lab. that's as good. It. It's created in a lab, and it's got all the best yeah. components of every apple that there is to man, a and it's the best apple that there is. I like it. I like... Um, I'm passionate about it. Last football season... I'm not season, passionate about um, lots, but this is something. Yeah. Last football season, my lady friend goes, oh, we should go on Sunday... We should go to an orchard and pick apples. I'm like, oh, an orchard on a football Sunday? Wow. That sounds delightful. Yeah, great. Sign I'd love to do that on a football Sunday. Oh, here comes Mickey again. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. No, Patrick. Could you imagine, instead of sitting and watching four screens simultaneously on the National Football mm. League, I have a satchel while I'm picking apples in an orchard. That would be great. I like when Mickey comes on the show because it means, yeah, you're trying to tell the truth. Trying it's my worst hard. nightmare. There was one in here um, that I that we got a text that uh, was very much in this very same vein. I'm going to try and find it when we get to the text here. Yeah, there's lots. Uh, thank you. Um, nine sixty nine sixty name and location. Um, there's so many here. I want to get to a few. Um. Alex and Red Deer, Patriots 28-3 comeback in the Super Bowl. And again, cheering for the Patriots when Brady and Belichick were there 
were much like cheering for Bill Gates maybe to win the lottery or Brad Pitt to get the girl. Like, it's tough. It's a tough look. Yeah, real hard. But feel if you're, really bad for him. Yeah, but if you're like a diehard Patriots fan from back in the day, then maybe you're a Drew Bledsoe guy <laughs> or like when Steve Grogan was the quarterback <laughs> back in the day. I don't know. Big Grogan guy, laughing stock. Ron Meyer, head coach. Yeah, yeah. Like Bill Parcells was a head coach. He liked the Patriots, got to a Super Bowl. That's fine. But uh, the Patriots winning um, those things are just uh, incredible. Um, this is from Shane in Calgary. Joe Sackick handing the cup to Ray Bork without lifting it. Still brings a tear to my eye when I see it. That was nice. It was a very nice moment. But I also thought it was super weird when Ray Bork brought the cup back to Boston. Like, people in Boston cared. <sighs> hmm. Well... Did you feel the same way when, like, Kadri brought it to Toronto? Well, first of all, you know, I know a lot of uh, – no, I know I know a small portion of our listeners believe and always want to say I'm a Leafs fan, which I'm not. Um, I think that's weird, too. Like, and he didn't bring it to Toronto. He brought it to London. Oh, okay. No, it was Toronto. I thought it yeah, was. it was hmm. Toronto. But he played junior hockey in London. But whatever. No, it's not the same thing. It's fine. It's your hometown. He brought it to a mosque, which is really cool. But, yeah, like, Ray Bork was a little weird how he paraded it through Boston. It's like the Bruins didn't win. Ray Bork won, and people were happy for him. But, come on, man. Yeah, it I guess. the same thing. Uh, yeah. weird. He played 20 years there, so it's like that's your home now. I And you want to take it to your home. But, yeah, I don't, I don't know a lot of the semantics around the parade that day. I, I wish I could give you a better comment on it. Uh this one's really good. Keith and Rocky Ridge, Canada's women's gold soccer and overtime kicks, 2022 Olympics. I was crying in my damn bed. <laughs> I remember watching the women's hockey shootout with my better half in one of the first years we were dating when they lost to the Americans. That was more of a, a frustration type of emotion, but I remember that being another type of emotional letdown just because it was so late at night and... I didn't like how the Americans wanted in a shootout. That was a lot of anger emotion. Hmm. I like this one from Dan here in Calgary. Uh, that is right up your, I love apple picking vein. Yeah. Um, the Avs Stanley Cup last year, my son was two, started realizing daddy's love for the Avs, started going daddy's team, daddy's team. My wife, bless her, booked a photo shoot during game six. So it was oh tough to put on a smile knowing the game was going on, but it all worked out. So he went to the photo shoot. I guarantee I would not have gone. I would no, have said, like, sorry, that's you don't want to take uh, pictures of me while I know that this game is going on. I'm going to be angry. Yeah, and that's something we want to talk Good for about. him, Dan. Way to be, Dan. Uh, and this is I something guess. I want to talk about the Super Bowl. When you do, would people in your life schedule things around major sporting events that you care about? It's just being selfish. <laughs> Yeah, sure. Like, people who, like, schedule things for, like, Super Bowl weekend, come on, man. Like a wedding or a birthday party? Yeah. And, you know, hey, you know when the cheapest day of the year to have a, a wedding is, Maddie? Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah, and nobody would want to go to a Super Bowl wedding. Nobody wants to do that. So you're just saying that you're cheap by having your wedding on Super Bowl Sunday. You're just telling everyone that you invite, hey. Yeah. You're like, I'm having a cash bar at my Super Bowl Sunday wedding. <laughs> Not even Toonie Bar. Cash no. bar. Full price. Cash bar. Yeah. Straight cash bar. Bring your wallet. Yeah. Um, we're getting a lot. We got a couple of these, uh, which are really cool. Uh, when Tiger Woods 
yeah. won the Masters in uh, 2019. Um, Tiger Woods 2019 Masters with my son. A flashback to watching the 1996 Tiger winning the Masters with his dad. I think that's really cool. I I think that Tiger kind of holds a certain the the aura that he commands is so unique that I think there's a lot of people that even if you don't watch golf every Sunday or you watch once or twice a year or you you watch every tournament, I thought that there was a lot that you could draw from that because it wasn't just that Tiger was going out and he was doing it was the spectacle too. It was the size of some of the crowds following him up and down the fairways. It was some of the amazing shots he was making. Like that was certainly an emotional time and I I, I understand why we have a lot of those votes on the line today. Uh, this one's great from Ryan in Calgary. Got pretty emotional watching my younger brother win a national wrestling championship a year after he had major knee surgery. Love that. Overcoming really adversity. Like that one. Overcoming adversity is big. And we've had a few of those as far as watching like family members. It doesn't always have to be, you know, a big athlete. I think that that's kind of also the beauty in sport that sometimes gets lost that you know, it's it's those minor stories. It's the grassroots yeah. stories that are sometimes the most emotionally fulfilling. <laughs> a couple more here. Uh, Joey Nokotokes. I would say, if it counts, when Jerome McGinley had his retirement speech here in the city, I was slightly sobbing while cutting my client's yard. <laughs> <laughs> but that was in the evening. And yeah. that was a game on March 2nd. Yeah. So you were cutting your neighbor's lawn at like 7.30 March 2nd? I don't know. Uh, just I'm reading the text. Uh, this one, no name, but it's a great one. I usually don't hug our other men, but when the Bruins beat the Leafs in Game Seven, the four-one comeback. <laughs> I usually don't hug other men. Nice. Yeah. But that that. Oh, but when um, the Bruins win, then I'll Curtis hug and one uh, dude. Yeah, uh, Curtis and Sundance. Uh, the Golden Goal by Crosby at the 2010 Olympics hit me straight uh, like a shot to the beak. <sighs> Right on the beak, eh? Yeah. Uh, John Scott playing the NHL All-Star game. Okay, because he took one to the beak. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Brad in Calgary, uh, Theo scoring in the shootout in his return. Did that get you emotional? Me? No. But I understand people were real fired up about Theo. But that was a little bit before my time, to be honest. Uh, Dale Earnhardt's final race went back when NASCAR was relevant. We got one of those, too. Yeah, that was sad. Sure. Yeah, uh, I think we got to, what do you think? Uh, I think I'm going to make an executive decision here. I know what you're going to do, and I like what you're doing. Ryan in Calgary about his brother? Hell yeah. All right. Ryan in Calgary got pretty emotional watching my younger brother win a national wrestling championship a year after he had major knee surgery. I think we got to give it to Ryan. I think that's an awesome story. <laughs> All right, Ryan, congratulations. Uh, you're the winner of day number 11. It's a good day to win. Of our 12 days of Christmas, courtesy of Wild Rose Brewery. Uh, why don't we open the advent calendar door here, Alex Brody? A $75 gift card to the tap room. Oh! Money, money, money! 75 bucks! That's not bad. I like that. I like that. Um, I don't want to, you know, pump this up too much. Okay, yeah, don't. But tomorrow's going to be a big-ass prize. Tomorrow's the 12th day. Yeah. Like, tomorrow. That's it, the big one. Yeah, 
Tomorrow's gonna be a bit. We gotta really like. We gotta really make you work for it tomorrow. Oh, we're gonna. That means we gotta work to come up with something. Yeah. Okay. Uh, especially because the Flames don't play tonight. We gotta really think of something. Yeah. We're gonna uh, real have to quick rack here. Our brain. Yeah. Real quick here uh, before we go, we gotta do our uh, best bets. Uh, brought to you by Sports Select right now. How we did uh, last last week uh, in our football picks. Um, as usual, I was terrible. And Maddie Rose continues to run away with it. Patrick Dumont, do you have uh, do you have the do you have yeah. the standings after we this week? The, uh, the spreadum spreadsheet here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, what are we? I went four and two, which is a, a big, nice little upgrade from the previous few weeks uh, to get me into thirty three and thirty three. Georgie, you went two and four. Yeah, uh, mediocre. T- yeah, twenty six yep. and forty overall. Terrible. Matt, Maddie just goes five and one this week. Uh, improving to 39 and 27. Uh, a six game lead on second place with uh, just three weeks to play. Uh, yeah, um, I'm looking forward to singing a duet with you, Patrick Dumont. Oh, yeah, it's going to be a good one. I already know what yeah, song it is. it is. Yeah, it's going to be good. And that's our Big Bats brought to you by our good friends at Sports Select. They got awesome point spread and over under odds. Check them out, Sports, sports Select. Uh, .ca. Uh, did I get that read right? Because I don't see it. Sports it Select is. has more sports leagues, and for a limited time, better odds on over-under and point spread. Build your ticket at sportselect.com. Okay, thank you. Not .ca. Uh, good job, Maddie. Uh, gotcha, way to bro. bail me out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah no problem. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't get to the best mix story. We got to do that in the 8 o'clock hour. Sure. Yeah, I'm in. Because uh, your Uncle Georgie is going to tell you how, if you want to get after it a little bit more at your Christmas party, what you should mix it with. <laughs> Very I, responsible. I don't know. What is this going to be like? Gasoline? No. <laughs> yeah. Kerosene. That's what it is. I'm teasing it right now. It's kerosene. No. No. We'll do that in the 8 o'clock hour. Uh, Peter Labardius, Tommy Wilden Jr. We'll do a soccer report. Lots still ahead. Big show. Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960. The fan.